0: started this series last week um, called Who Needs God? And I'm super excited about this series. And if you're new to our church or you're new watching online or somebody said, hey, you need to watch this stuff, here, just a little context. Um, basically, I prepare three and a half hour sermons, but nobody wants to listen to a three and a half hour sermon. So we split it up into several 35 minute segments. So last week and this week are like the introduction to the sermon. And so we got some emails last week saying, hey, you never even used the Bible. I'm like, we're getting there. And so if to the end of today's message, if you walk out and go, he didn't use the Bible again, what kind of church is this? Just hang on, okay? Believe me, believe me, believe me, we're getting there. But my my purpose in this series is my heart is a bit broken over the growing percentage of people in our country who are migrating away from religion and specifically away from Christianity. And I'm just convinced it's unnecessary. And so if you are in that category, um, really, this is for you. I'm doing my best to try to woo you back and to talk you back into at least giving Christianity another look, because I'll own this. It's people who do what I do, and it's the church's fault that you have found the church and religion and Christianity in particular so unappealing. So today, I just want to continue that conversation. I don't think any of us would argue with the fact that there are certain things about theism and about God and about Christianity in particular that are, are really unsettling, they're just unsettling. Even, I mean, I grew up in the church and I grew up, you know, a preacher's kid, you know, I've always been a Christian, but there are things about Christianity that are, that are just unsettling. And so consequently, sometimes we, we have doubts. On the other hand, it's, there's, there's something about a godless universe where everything is reduced to the laws of physics, chemistry, and biology. For many of us, that's unsettling as well. And so a lot of us, in fact, more and more people in this country would say, you know what, to be honest, I kind of feel stuck in the middle. I kind of feel stuck in the middle. When it comes to religion and when it comes to Christianity in particular, when it comes to theism, I have doubts. But when I think about stepping over into the world of atheism, um, that's not appealing either. In fact, that kind of leaves me with a, a nagging sense of despair, and so I'm caught in the middle. Do I want to opt for despair? There's no purpose, and you know all there is is life under the sun. As Solomon says, you know, this bo- life is bookended by birth and death, and that's it, and I can try to mine some purpose out of that and kind of pretend that you know something matters, but to be honest, I don't know. I, that just feels like despair, but over here, it just feels like doubt, and I just feel stuck in the middle, and maybe you're in that category, and if so, it's a growing percentage of our population. So that's the group that I would like to talk to specifically. Those of you who would say, you know what, I have lost faith. I don't remember when it happened. It wasn't like Thursday at three o'clock or, you know, I just have lost my faith. I'm having doubts. I'm not sure I can maintain this. I'm pretending I'm still watching. I'm, you might even still be showing up at church, you know, bringing your kids so your kids can get a good dose of religion, keep them out of trouble. But, you know, you're not sure you believe this anymore. Well, the first—the good news is this. If you're losing faith in God, you should not be embarrassed. This has been happening since the history, beginning of the history of the world. Humanity has been disbelieving in gods since the beginning. Once upon a time, the most sophisticated civilization in the world worshiped the sun. Some centuries later, the most sophisticated um, civilization in the world worshiped uh, Zeus. And then the Roman Empire, they worshiped Jupiter. And now there aren't many people who worship the sun. They gave up on that God. There aren't many people who worship Mars or Jupiter. They gave up on that God. There's still a few people but not many people who worship Zeus, they gave up on that God. So people quit believing in a God or gods all the time. In fact, Richard Dawkins sums it up well. He says, he writes this, he says, we are all atheists about most, this is such a cool statement, we are all atheists about most of the gods that humanity has ever believed in. Some of us just go one god further, the atheists, to say we're gonna get rid of all the gods. And here's something interesting. The early Christians, first century Christians, were considered atheists by their culture. Why? Because they did not believe in the Roman gods. They didn't believe in the Roman pantheon of gods. They didn't believe in Jupiter. They didn't worship Mars. And so the culture, and even the barbarian cultures, they considered the Christians atheists because they no longer worship the gods. They didn't embrace the deified Caesar, so they were considered atheists. But the message of the Christians to the pagans was this. You've got the wrong God. You've got the wrong God. We're not atheists. We believe in a God. We just believe in a different God. And we think you pagans have the wrong God. So I believe that tension persists today, and I think it's one of the reasons perhaps you, if I could be so bold, that perhaps you have stepped back from religion or stepped away from religion. And the reason I say that and the reason I believe that is all the stories of deconversion that I've read, that I've heard, that people have talked to me about, that are podcasts. Every time I've read entire books on people who wrote an entire book around deconverting from Christianity and, and lots of other religions, specifically Christianity. And as I read those stories of deconversion, here's the thing. I've never heard, and I'm sure there is one, but I just haven't heard one yet. I've never heard a story of deconversion from Christianity that had anything to do with Christianity. I, I, I mean, there are lots of reasons for walking away or stepping away from God, but when I hear these stories, it breaks my heart because I, I, I sort of want to say, wait a minute, who, who told you that's what God was like? Where, where did you get that picture? Maybe, 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 I know this is kind of arrogant, maybe a little bold, but maybe, 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 you have the wrong God. So, deconverting from Christianity, there's there's two or three versions of this. Maybe this is your version. Grew up in a religious environment, maybe not even Christianity, but just religion in general. Grew up in a religious environment. Experienced some sort of childhood conversion. And then you transition to an irreligious environment, like college, or your family moved, or you changed friends, but suddenly you're in an irreligious environment, (laughs) and you liked it a lot. In fact, you liked it better. And then you, began asking, you begin, began asking adult questions about your childhood faith. And in response, you received faith-based answers, faith-based answers to your fact-based questions. And as one author wrote toward the end of his book, he, he just said this. He said, one day it dawned on me, I didn't believe anymore. Now, this is is such an important statement, here's why. Because belief is such a strange thing. We're gonna talk about this in a few weeks. You either believe or you don't. You just do or you don't. And if you don't, you can't say, well, I've changed my mind, I've decided to start believing. It's not that simple, is it? I mean, you can go to church, but that doesn't mean you believe something. You can stop going to church, that doesn't mean you'd quit believing. Belief is such a strange thing, and for some people, maybe for you, you don't know exactly when it happened, you're not even sure exactly why it happened, but you're driving to work one day, or you're fixing your hair one morning, or you're laying in bed at night thinking one night, or you're driving home from being somewhere one night, and it just, it just kind of dawns on you. I, I don't believe it anymore. I, I just, I don't believe. Maybe your story is a little bit different. Maybe your story hinges on something that happened. There was some big event. Your story may go more like this. Grew up in a religious environment, experienced a childhood conversion of some sort, and then you experienced a faith-crushing or a faith-devastating event that just wiped out your faith. And you began, or at least hurt your faith, and so you too began asking adult questions of your childhood faith. And again, you receive faith-based answers to fact-based questions. And your response may be what one blogger wrote when she wrote, one day it dawned on me, I couldn't believe anymore. I, could, I wanted to believe, but I couldn't believe anymore. I could not reconcile the God I grew up with with the reality of my life. I could not reconcile the God of my childhood, the way I was taught God was and what God would do. I just could not reconcile God with reality, and I could not deny reality, so I couldn't believe anymore. Now, the interesting thing about deconversion stories is that, you know, there are many versions of decon- there are many deconversion stories. In fact, yours might be a hybrid. Your, your story may be grew up in a religious environment, had a childhood conversion, and you didn't have anything bad happen to you, and you didn't move away or go off to college and lose your faith. You may just be one of those people who just started asking questions and your parents couldn't ask your questions, and your pastor gave you answers that were not satisfactory, and somebody gave you a few books, but they didn't address your questions, and you may have just thought your way away from religion in general or away from Christianity, and you would say, you know what? I used to be one of those people. I used to be a religious person. I used to be a Christian. But regardless of what your story is, here's something I've discovered. The versions of Christianity, the versions of Christianity that most people deconvert from Share two characteristics. The versions of Christianity. Here's what I mean by the versions of Christianity. If you grow up in a church, you grew up with a version of Christianity. It may have been super fundamentalist. It may have been super liberal. It might have been super charismatic. It might have been super Baptist, super Presbyterian, Catholic, you know, whatever it might be. There are all these different versions. And everybody who deconverts or who steps away from religion or who steps away from Christianity, let's be honest, you step away from a version, the version that you grew up in or the version that you were a part of when you deconverted or when you stepped away from Christianity. And every single version of Christianity that I've ever heard of that people step away from share these two characteristics a somebody told me so God and a Bible tells me so Jesus a somebody told me so God in other words here's how God was presented here's what I was taught God is like here's what they said the Bible said about God and so that was my picture of God and when I stepped away that's who I stepped away from a Bible tells me so, Jesus. Every time I ask a question, they would say, but the Bible says, and I would ask them, but the Bible says, the Bible teaches, the Bible says, the Bible teaches, and it was like, okay, okay, but what you're telling me does not reconcile with my experience or reality. So in every version of Christianity where people walk away from Christianity, there's always some version of a Bible told me so, God, and a Bible, t- uh, 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 somebody told me so, God, excuse me, uh, somebody told me so, God, and a Bible tells me so, Jesus. So here's what we're gonna do today. I'm going to talk about a "Somebody Told Me So," God, and then next week will be one of the most disturbing messages you ever hear on a the Bible. A Bible tells me so, Jesus. You really don't want to miss next week. So, let's start with a somebody told me so God. The person that I think describes this transition or this tension the best. You know, you grow up in church, you grow up in some kind of religious home, and God's presented to you in in a certain way, and so you just believe what your parents say, you believe what the priest says, you believe what, you know, your pastor says. I mean, your child, so, you know, here's what God is like. But the person I think that really, really, really gets to the core of the tension is a woman, uh, a writer named Karen Armstrong. I've read about a half a dozen Karen Armstrong's books. She's a fabulous writer, great thinker. And one of the reasons I like Karen is she's a double nun. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Karen was actually a Roman Catholic nun who deconverted and became a N-O-N-E, nun. So she went from nun to nun. no offense, I love Karen Armstrong. She's super smart, way smarter than me, does TED talk, she's awesome. But she moved away from being a Roman Catholic nun and, being, and working towards you know, spending a career in that world to a, her own kind of, I think she's religious, but it's kind of a mystical religion. I don't completely understand it. If she were here, she could explain it. But she, from moving from one to the other, she has extraordinary insight about religion, extraordinary insight about Christianity, Islam, Judaism. She's a fabulous writer. And in her book, um, The Case for God, she writes this. This is so powerful. The Case for God, she says, "'Many of us have been left stranded with an incoherent concept of God We learned about God at about the same time as we were told about Santa Claus. But while our understanding of the Santa Claus phenomenon evolved and matured, our theology remained somewhat infantile. Not surprisingly, when we attained intellectual maturity, many of us rejected the God we had inherited and denied that he existed. And this may have been your experience. In fact, to some degree, I'll own this, this is all of our experience because most of us were presented with the concept of God when we were very, very young. So what I wanna do for the next few minutes is I wanna talk about the gods that we grew up with. The gods that we grew up with that do not exist. The gods that we grew up with that do not exist and you should not believe in them anymore. The gods that we grew up with that perhaps are the gods or one of the gods that you walked away from and you should have walked away from because that God doesn't exist. But that doesn't mean there isn't a God who exists. So real quick, our growing up gods. We'll go through this list pretty quick. This first one, uh, we're going to call bodyguard God. Now, This is not my phrase, I gotta be honest. There is a gentleman named Corey Wilkes who was baptized today. Corey Wilkes was baptized today at Buckhead Church, and when I watched Corey's baptism video, he talked about bodyguard God. That's where I got this phrase, I love this. I was gonna call it guardrail God, I, I love his better. And in his story, he talked about as a child, he was taught that God takes care of you. It doesn't allow bad things to happen to good people. And then as he got older, some really, really, really bad things happened to some really, really, really good people. And it just undermined his faith. And so for years, he kind of floated around and he's come back. But he talked about when he came back, he struggled with this idea of the bodyguard God because clearly there's no such thing as a a bodyguard God because bad things happen to good people all the time so This is such a big deal, it's very emotional, I realize. In fact, many, many, many people, many, many very bright people, very bright people have abandoned religion and abandoned the concept of God over personal pain and suffering or pain and suffering in the world. This is such a big deal, I'm gonna spend an entire session on it in a couple of weeks. But I just wanna address it real quick because this is one of the gods that a lot of people grew up believing in. And when, lo and behold, bad things happen to good people, they lost their faith in God. Now, this is completely a leftover from childhood. No one has ever made the following argument: a good God would not allow bad things to happen to good people. Since bad things never happen to good people, there must be a good God. No one has ever made that. Or that is not an argument for the existence of God. So consequently, when we turn around and hold bad things happening to good people up against God and say there must not be a God because bad things happen to good people, the assumption is that somebody told you or the assumption is somewhere along the way God claimed that he would never allow bad things to happen to good people. This is is not an argument for or against God. This is something someone told you. And on the surface, it makes sense. We're going to talk about it in a few weeks. But this is not an argue. this is certainly not a Christian argument for God in the least. In fact, in fact, Christianity and I don't want to make a case for Christianity, this is just a little sidebar Christianity actually started with a horrible thing happening to a very good person. If at any point along the way, Christianity had taught or presented God as a God that never allows bad things to happen to good people, Christianity would have never made it out of the first century because all the best people in Christianity in the first century, all the heroes of the Christian faith, all of them were treated terribly by the first century Roman Empire and by the temple. So just to let you know where we're coming from, the idea that a good God who allows bad things to happen to good people can't exist, I don't know where you got that. You did not get that from Christianity. And no one that I know of has ever built a case for God based on a lack of evil in the world. So here's the point. If you lost faith, if you lost faith in the bodyguard God, good, bodyguard God, does not exist. You are exactly, exactly right. But for some of you, and I understand this, we're gonna talk about it in detail in a few weeks. The whole idea of a God that will protect you from bad things, it was the defining characteristic of God for you growing up. It was the defining characteristic of God as it was explained to you in your church. It was the defining characteristic of God. Everything hinged on God will protect good people from bad things. And then you saw enough bad things happen to good people and your faith collapsed. I think, this is just my opinion, you had the wrong God. Close to and similar to bodyguard God is on-demand God, on-demand God. Now, on-demand God is the God, you laugh, but you, you wish God was this way and you treat God this way and you kind of, your faith gets a little shaken when God doesn't act on-demand. The on-demand God is the God who responds to fair and selfless requests the way we would. It's the God that responds to fair. Look, I'm, this isn't, I'm not asking, you know, to change the world. I just, I just need a date, you know? The fair and selfless request, I'm not even asking for me to have a date. I want my daughter to have a date. Please, I want my son to have a date. Actually, I want them to get married and have me some grandchildren, but that's about me. Well, I, just, I just, you know, it, it's, it's this, the, you know, on-demand God where we would expect God to do for us at least, I mean, I'm not even God, at least what I would do for somebody else. That God would answer my prayer. And I'm not, again, I'm not asking for anything big. I just think if there's a personal God, then when I need something or want something, then God should do what I need and God should do what I want. But that's not your experience, right? Why? You know, you, you asked for an answer and heard nothing. You, you, you asked for a sign, maybe, and saw nothing. You asked for a miracle and you received nothing. So you decided, you know what? There must not be a God. And you're right on-demand God does not exist. It is okay to quit believing in on-demand God. But here's the question, who told you? Who told you that God always responds the way you expect? Who told you that God is supposed to or under some obligation or has to respond the way that you expect him to respond? Where did that come from? That's the somebody told you so God. And that God obviously doesn't exist. And the truth is, I'm glad God doesn't exist, like that God doesn't exist. Because when I was 15 to 16 years old, if God had done for me what I asked God to do, my life would be a wreck, right? And some of you would be married to the wrong person, right? Because God would have, okay. So the third one is a little, is a little. I'm not trying to be cutesy, but I just, I just want these to be memorable. The third version of God is boyfriend God, okay? It could be girlfriend God. Boyfriend God is the God whose presence is always felt that we just I always sense the presence of God because if God is with me, you know, we sing that and we read that if God is with me, then I should feel his presence. And when you were growing up, if you grew up in church especially, you had those kind of cool camp moments and last night of camp moments and worship moments and awesome quiet time moments and you know, you talk to a friend and you know, she just went through something you went through or he went, you know, you have those moments where you just sensed the presence of God, and then you get older, and you don't sense the presence of anything, and you think, God, I wanna feel your presence, and you read literature, you read scripture, you read the Bible, or whatever you read, and it's just kinda of flat, and you know, you show up, and people have their hands up in church, and you're like, I'm not getting this, okay? If, I think they're making this up, because I'm standing right next to them, I don't feel it. Do you feel, I don't feel it, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm being a bit facetious, but because at some point along the way, I mean, you were told God is with you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's like, okay, God, I wanna sense your presence, but since I don't feel his presence, he must not be present. Well, well said who, who told you that? In fact, just a little sidebar. Did you know you were least aware of the things that are most constant? When you're sitting in a room and the temperature's perfect, you never turn to somebody and say, isn't the temperature kind of perfect in here? (laughs) None of you woke up and said, oh, I feel like an American. Do you feel like an American? I feel like an American, but you are, right? The things that are none of you, none of you students said. Oh, mom, dad. Who? I'm just. I just feel student. I, so the things that are most constant are the things we are least aware of. Okay. So that's just. That's not. That's just sort of for free. But the point is, where did you get the idea that somehow you were to constantly feel or experience the presence of God? Well, somebody told you that. They set an expectation. And then you went for a month or a year or for a long time. I mean, Mother Teresa, she wrote about the fact her, her confessor exposed to the whole world that she went for many, 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 many months and years and never experienced or felt the presence of God. Well, boyfriend God, girlfriend God, or you know whatever you want to call that, if you quit believing in that God, good. That God doesn't exist either. And then here's the big one. This is the God, this is the version of God that we run from the quickest but we can't seem to extrapolate ourselves from, at, it takes the longest to kind of unwind from this God. This is the God that chases us throughout our adulthood. This is the God that we, we just want, is, we just want, 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 want to quit believing in, but somehow this God just haunts us. And, and very few people are ever able to finally just say, I don't believe in God, who grew up with guilt God, guilt God. Guilt God controls you through guilt and fear, okay? If it's enjoyable, the answer is no. <laughs> if it's sexual, the answer is no, no, no. No, 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 right? This God loves you, but this God does not like you. <laughs> this is the God who is love, but when he gets right down to it, he doesn't like you very much. Now, let me ask you this. If, you, if you've if you grown up with guilt, in fact, again, the guilt God is so hard to escape. We, I mean, as soon as we can get away from the guilt God environment, we run but even though we get away from the guilt God environment, something about the guilt just stays with us and stays with us and stays with us and stays with us. And, with it. and I mean, I've talked to so many people who just, I just can't seem to, every, I just can't seem to get it off of me. It's horrible. Who told you that about God? A priest, a pastor, your parents? Where did that come from? That's what somebody told me so, God. And if you are one of those lucky, 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 lucky few people who grew up in high guilt environment and you've been able to move so far away that you quit believing in God at all, congratulations. Isn't life better without the guilt God? I would say pray for your friends, but you know, don't pray for them. Just hope that somehow they're able to unwind from guilt God. And then here's another one. And this is, this is where the church has done a horrible, horrible job. There's the anti-science or the anti-science God. Okay. This, is, this is the God where you're forced to choose between undeniable science or unreliable religion. That's the tension. It's like, okay, I know what I'm taught and I know what they're saying in school and I know the you know, advances and so there's, this is undeniable. My mom and dad, grandmama, pastor, priest, come on. This is undeniable. I think religion is unreliable. Religion's always changing. Look at the, the negatives of, you know, associated with religion. Look what religion has done in the world. So you're asking me to ignore what is undeniable and embrace what is unreliable. I just can't live with that tension and I just gotta go with what we know. I can't continue to pretend. I can't pretend, continue to defend, and I can't continue to live my life with my eyes closed because after all, I mean, it's undeniable. And when religion and science conflict, at the end of the day, if you are an honest person, science must win. But the message that we get sometimes and the message you grew up with, and perhaps the reason you just walked away from God, is you grew up with a message that said, quit thinking and just start believing. Quit thinking. Quit asking all those questions. Just believe, you just have to believe. Now we're gonna talk about this in a couple weeks too. This whole thing about believe that religion is just based on belief and Christianity is just based on belief. That is not true. That's something else that you were taught that is absolutely not, 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 not true. Just a little you know, commercial. We become a Christian through faith, but we're not Christians because we just believe things. That's absurd. And if you grew up with that kind of faith, no wonder you walked away. Again, Richard Dawkins nails it. Here's what he says. One of the truly bad effects of religion is that it teaches us that it is a virtue to be satisfied with not understanding. That it's a virtue to say, well, we don't have to know, we just, we just believe. And here's the deal, your Sunday school God probably could not be reconciled with science. I understand that. Your Sunday school God, the God that your church left you with as a child or even a middle school or a high school and it never went beyond that, that God probably cannot be reconciled with science. But here's some good news. God or science is a false alternative. God or science is a false alternative. And I I can prove that to you through your own behavior. As Christians, when it comes to this, and if you're agnostic or atheist or anti-Christian, oh, I'm just give you a little ammunition here. We are such hypocrites when it comes to this, but don't share this outside the room, okay? Here's what happens. (laughs) All the Christian parents and grandparents, for just a minute, Christian parents, when your kids get sick, like really sick, where do you take them? To the church? No, you take them to the doctor and the doctor examines your child and this seems serious and there's this fever. We can't get the fever. So we're going to do a blood draw. We're going to look at their blood and we're going to send it off to a lab and we're going to call you tomorrow. And you are sitting by the phone. You got all your friends and everybody pray, but you're sitting by the phone. Pray, but I'm sitting by the phone. <laughs> and the phone rings and we got the labs back. And the person on the other end of the line says this, we've looked at the labs and here's here's what we've concluded. We really believe that God is trying to teach you something. (laughs) Uh, It's like, no, 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 no. Look up here, listen, listen to me. I want a natural explanation and then I want a natural solution. Okay, I want a natural, I want you to tell me what is wrong with my child, and then I want you to prescribe something or explain to me what we are going to do in the real, tangible, material world to fix and heal my child. Because when it comes to illness and when it comes to sickness, we, come on, we are all about science. And the moment your theology conflicts with the discoveries of science, you have a theological problem, not a science problem. And one of the things that we have done a terrible job of through the years as Christians and as a church is we've sent kids off to college, universities, and graduate school with this false sense of conflict between faith or religion, or in our case, Christianity, and science. We're hypocrites. If we lean into science for our health, why would we reject science in any other capacity? It is a false alternative, which means if you felt forced out of your faith, if you felt forced away specifically from Christianity because of something you learned in school or biology or chemistry or physics class or a math class, I am so sorry that someone presented you with the, anti-God, the anti-science God because what Christians have historically believed is that God is the God of this created the world. And everything we discover is a discovery about how God did it. Now, that one leads to my last, my final um, candidate in our God to the New no Testament. And we're gonna call this, this is, this is even a bigger deal for many of you Christians. In fact, I would say many of us fall into the, fall into the, the trap of worshiping this God. This is, we're gonna call this the gap God gap God, as opposed to the American Eagle God or the Abercrombie God, it's the gap God. <laughs> now, the gap God, and all, in fact, I, I bet all of us are guilty of this. And again, we, we set the next generation up for you know un- un- unnecessary tension. The, the gap God, and the gap God idea is that God conveniently, conveniently shows up as an explanation for everything we can't currently explain. Every time something happens we can't explain, we go, that's God, it's a God thing. <laughs> Driving to the mall, you know, If the place is packed, I'm like, God, I need a parking spot. I mean, this guy pulls out, I pulled out, I said, thank you, it was a God thing. It was a God thing. (laughs) Mm, Maybe, you know, maybe not. But if we're not careful, our entire faith, our entire faith begins to rest on the God who shows up and explains as an explanation for the unexplainable. And ultimately, this is so huge, this undermines faith in God. This does not build faith in God. This undermines faith in God. And here's why because the list of things that we can't explain is getting smaller. Good. The list of things we can explain is getting longer. That's good. Don't you hope that ultimately science is able to cure every disease? Yes. Do you, do you think there is in the world today some sort of disease that they'll never be able to cure and they're eventually gonna come to the conclusion, well, since we can't cure this disease, God must have put it here to teach us something or to use it to wipe out the people that God, I mean, would anybody be satisfied and say, let's not even investigate that disease because God put it here? No. Yet in other areas of our thinking and belief as Christians, we fall into the gap. Does no one remember that ad but me. Okay, never mind. We fall into the gap. So, okay. So, here's the thing. Don't don't forget this. And let me just say, if if you lost faith because the only God you ever presented was, with was the Gap God, that's the church's fault. I, I don't blame you for leaving. The Gap God doesn't exist. Here's why. Unexplainable today, maybe unexplainable today, maybe explainable tomorrow. So if your faith, if your confidence in God rests on unexplainable things, it is just a matter of time to where your faith goes bye-bye because hopefully more and more and more things, especially the important things, will become explainable. Christians have to be careful, and here's why. Unexplainable, unexplainable is not evidence for the existence of God. You need to underline this, mark this, eliminate this from your conversation, you know, implying this with your kids or your grandkids. Unexplainable is not evidence for the existence of God. Unexplainable, in most cases, is evidence for the existence of our ignorance. Unexplainable is not evidence for God. Unexplainable is evidence, in most cases, not all cases, of our ignorance. Sam Harris, famous atheist, says this, it's such a great line. He says, we must pay attention. We must pay attention to the frontiers of our ignorance because on the frontiers of our ignorance is where new things are discovered and found. And here's what I know about everybody listening. You are for that when it comes to medicine. You are for that when it comes to curing diseases. You are for that when it comes to dealing with the thing your grandfather's struggling with or one of your children's, we are for this. Somebody needs to be out on the frontiers of our ignorance coming up with explanations for things we can't explain. And the moment, the moment, the moment, you as a Christian or I as a Christian embrace this whole myth of the God that just fills in the gap and he's the explanation for everything we can't understand, you have begun to undermine your own faith. It's not an argument for the existence of God. The gap God does not exist. I'll even go this far, okay? If everything, if everything were explained and explainable, it would not explain away God. We do not need to be afraid of that. This is one of those fears that permeates the church. It's like, well, if we know everything, that'll make us God. No, it won't. Here's here's a here's an illustration and this is this falls apart so don't you know don't take it to an extreme but if you were to somehow figure out and some of you have already figured it out but this is shows you where i am if you were to ab- if you were able to figure out Everything about how your mobile device, your mobile phone, your portable phone, your cell phone, if you were one of those people, you understood how the plastic was formed, how the glass came from, all the electronics, Wi-Fi, you know, cell, if you you could explain it down, I mean, you could explain it to the nth detail, there was nothing that was mysterious about that thing in your hand. You would not then conclude nobody made it. Your understanding of it does not remove the the importance or the necessity for somebody to have created it. So this whole thing of, oh, there's gotta be mystery. If there's not mystery, there's no God. I don't know who told you that. I don't know what religion that is. It is not Christianity. And here's why, here's why. It's, this is huge, okay. It is not the unexplainable that points to God. It is not the unexplainable that points to God. It is the explainable that points to God. It is the mundane, taken for granted, but extraordinary regularities that point to God. Think of it this way. If we believe, okay, and if if you're not a Christian, hang on for just a second. I'll get right back to you. If, If Christians, look up here. If we really believe, if we really believe, whether you take it literally or figuratively, whatever. If we really believe that God is the creator of the universe, that all time, space, and matter, all time, space, and matter were created by God and we take seriously what science has told us, that it all began with a singularity. That's what it's referred to. Right before, there's not such thing as before the Big Bang because before it's time and time began. So if we go to the singularity that was the Big Bang that unfurled the universe, that continues to expand and introduced into reality the laws of physics and introduced into the, to, to reality natural selection or how, what, however you want to view that. If we believe it all began and there's a beginner and... In Genesis, in Genesis, Genesis says when God was finished, he what? He what? Starts with an R. Yeah, he rested. He quit creating. He folded his arms and go, been there, done that. I got it started off. Boom, look at that. Okay, if you take that literally, figuratively, but if you believe, if you believe that God created all of time, space, and matter and stopped, then what would we expect to find in the universe a predictable stable explainable universe in fact this is you need to know this christians launched the modern science movement and the reason christians were able to launch the modern science movement is because christians believe that god stopped creating And that he was done, and now we could observe it, and it would be regular, and it would be predictable, and there would be cause and effect, and things that happened one way would happen the same way over and over and over and over. There was no point before Christianity and modern modern science, there was no point in trying to understand a God, excuse me, there was no point in trying to understand a world that was at the whims of a pantheon of gods. Where the gods were constantly doing things, changing their mind, punishing this person, burning down their house, burning the, sending the locust. I mean, as long as as long as in pagan society they believed that everything that happened were just the random whims of the god, science was impossible. But it was Christians who said, "Wait, no, there are regularities. It's predictable. It's the same way over and over and over and over." It birthed modern science. So. We don't need to be overwhelmed with the unexplainable and we don't need to allow our faith to rest on the unexplainable. Our faith actually rests on what is explainable because the universe is exactly as we would predict it to be if God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. So the gods we grew up with, the gods of the New Testament, the bodyguard God, on-demand God, boyfriend God, guilt God, ancient science God, gap God, they don't exist. If you quit believing in any of these, thumbs up, way to go. Like Cupid, some of you are still hanging on to Cupid, but like Cupid, <laughs> they don't exist. Now here's my final point, this is huge, okay? These are not reasons or arguments for or against anything. And we're gonna get to this, but the person that says, you know, bad things happen, I can't believe in a God. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Bad things happen into good people. That's a reality, that's not an argument for anything. It's not even evidence for anything, other than that the God who doesn't allow bad things to happen to good people doesn't exist. It's evidence for that, but we don't believe in that God anyway. These, these are not evidence, you know what these are? This is so important. And I know, I know right now some of you are pushing back, what about, what about, what about, and you left out. I know, only get 35 minutes, okay? So just be patient, we're just getting started. Here's what I, I, here's what I want you to consider as we wrap up. These are not arguments for or against anything. You know what these are? These are just unmet expectations. These are childhood or stem from childhood explanations. In some cases, they are ill-informed or uneducated interpretations. And for some of you, you would be quick to agree Blatant manipulation. So here's the question. Where did your view of the God you struggle to believe in originate? Where did your view of the God that you have a hard time believing in originate? Or let me put it this way, where did your view of the God you quit believing in originate? Did, Did your God ever grow up? Or did you just outgrow your God? Did you carry childhood God into adulthood and it just couldn't withstand the rigors of adulthood and you just said, well, that God must be the only God. It's the only God I was ever presented with. God must not exist. Did your grown-up questions undermine your childhood faith? Where do babies come from? It depends on who is asking. And when a five-year-old asks, you answer it one way. When a 15-year-old asks, you answer it another way. When a lab, when uh, somebody in pre-med or in graduate school asks, you answer it another way. And you never lie. We accommodate, come on, you know this, we accommodate to a child's capacity. But at some point, mommy's tummy no longer gets the job done. And here's my concern, all right? Some of you, Many of you, perhaps, and this is the church's fault. I own this. I am not pointing a finger or waving my finger. I own this. Some of you still have a mommy's tummy God, and you've outgrown that God, but it was the only God you knew. So you just decided, I don't believe. I'm moving on. Now, to be clear, today was not an argument for the existence of God. That is not my point. My point is simply this. I'm suggesting that suggesting that if you walked away, you may have walked away unnecessarily from a God who never existed anyway. A somebody told me so God. And nobody, nobody, nobody needs that God.